0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how to episode, we will address how to discern Jesus with your physical eyes and how to strengthen the eyes of your heart so you can see Jesus more easily on the screen of your mind and the spirit with greater detail. God communicates through your eyes, ears, mind, will, and emotion. That means you will hear thoughts, see pictures, or stories on the screen of your mind feel emotions, and sense things in your body when God communicates to you. All messages, regardless of which way you receive them, need to be tested to ensure that you know and have discernment of its source. With practice, you can strengthen your capability and increase your sensitivity to Jesus in all of these ways. Jesus lived by John 5.19, where he tells us that he lived only by doing and saying what the Father told him to do. John 5.19 says, So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever things the Father does, the Son, in his turn, also does in the same way. You can do this too, with practice. We call that living naturally supernaturally. No matter which way you receive messages, You want to make sure that you have the discernment of the source of your message. Sometimes you are receiving from God, sometimes from the enemy, and sometimes it's from you. Messages from God will sound and look like God's nature, His character, His promises, and His names, and will ultimately lovingly direct, correct, edify, uplift, and build your faith. They will move you forward in His love. God's names such as Father, Friend, Comforter, Counselor, Defender, Provider all agree with these messages and most importantly line up with Biblical truths and principles. Messages from Satan will sound and look like his nature, character, and names. Satan's goal is to bring you down and his names are liar, deceiver, and thief. If your words and thoughts are self-deprecating, then that message is from the enemy and not you. Do not agree with these messages. When you do, you are letting Satan win. Just because those thoughts are coming from your mind doesn't mean that they are from you or from God. Thoughts and images that are from your mind are logical and analytical. They are from your head. Remember now that God lives in the heart and not in the head. So if you want your best from God, Don't live in your head. Connect with Him in your heart. Today we're talking about vision. We will look at our visual capacity and how God communicates through both your physical eyes and your spiritual ones through the eyes of your heart supernaturally. One third of the Bible was given through dreams and visions. A dream is a vision that you receive while sleeping, while as a vision is seeing in the spirit while you're awake. The process of understanding them, though, is identical. God wants you to be an expert at seeing everything He wants to show you using both your physical eyes and the eyes of your heart. God will get your attention and have you look and notice things in the natural world. And He will give you the spiritual awareness of what He wants to show you using the eyes of your heart and the screen on your mind. With your eyes closed, God can give you pictures on the screen of your mind. This is what you've been doing on this Experience Jesus podcast if you've been following for any period of time. When you're sleeping, he can speak to you through your dreams. And as you progress in this capability, he can give you and show you more spiritual things with your natural eyes and reveal more spiritual realities mingling with the natural world. God gives you vision for the purpose of revelation. The word revelation in the Bible is apokalypsis which means unveiling of the divine mysteries of God. A veil is a covering, something that blocks you from seeing something, and an unveiling is a revealing of it, so you can see. To look is to actively see, to notice, on purpose. You can look by using your natural eyes and your spiritual eyes. God instructs us to look 642 times in the Bible— This is using the search term, look, in the Amplified Version. There are 140 verses specifically about visions, that is, seeing with the eyes of your heart. Let's begin by looking at how God shows you things with your natural eyes. Linda was the first person that I taught how to journal. She was my boss at the Christian bookstore, for which I worked part-time for a while. At first, she struggled with seeing things with the eyes of her heart. But God connected with her using her natural eyes much easier. God spoke to Linda in the clouds. The shapes of the clouds communicated a lot to her, so much so that her journal became filled with photos of clouds and what Jesus had to say to her about them in that day. He also pointed out other objects in the natural and gave her biblical metaphors connected to them. One such example was when God showed her a wagon wheel in my backyard, and he spoke to her about the circle, the spokes, and the center as all being relevant to her Christian life. Here's a cool story from my own life that the Lord communicated to me through my natural eyes. I was having one of those days where I had a big list of to do's, but God had other plans. My daughter Jamel's car at the time was a black Toyota Corolla named Dolores. Yes, Jamel named her car. While I was running through my errands, I kept seeing Dolores look-alike cars passing by. It took about the fourth Dolores for me to get that God probably wanted me to pray for Jamal. I prayed a general blessing for her and then saw two more black Toyota Corollas on the road. It was so weird. Each time I saw a Dolores look-alike, I would pray for Jamal. At about the third prayer, I realized I needed to also pray for Dolores. I needed to pray for safety on the road. Oddly enough, I got a flat tire while praying for her safety, and so much for my plans for that day. God put a sweet elderly man in my path. He just happened to be pumping gas at the station that I managed to drive to before the tire got too flat. He kindly changed the tire to my spare. God was demonstrating how an act of kindness shows the love of Christ through this man's timely help. While the tire was getting fixed, I saw another Dolores and said another prayer. The spare tire wasn't holding up, so I had to drive to a tire place to get a new one. While I was at that repair shop, I saw another Dolores clone and said another prayer. When I was finally on my way home, I got a call from Jamal. She called to tell me she had narrowly escaped an accident on the highway. A man was driving recklessly and nearly hit her car. If she hadn't seen him racing diagonally through her rearview mirror and slammed on her brakes and pulled off to the berm, she would have been in a serious accident. I told her about all the Dolores clones on the road and all the prayers and we agreed it was a miracle. Those prayers prevented a serious accident. I encountered nine black Toyota Corollas in the same day. Was it just a coincidence? I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in God incidences. God orchestrated the lives of nine drivers to pass by me just so I could pray for Jamel's safety and share this story. None of them will ever know that they played a role in answering a prayer of safety for my daughter. Over the next few days, I looked for black Toyota Corollas everywhere I drove. I wondered if I naturally drove by that many and just never noticed. I believe that even if I had driven by that many black Toyotas on a daily basis, it would have still been a message from God because I had never noticed them before. But it was worth the research. On the first day, I saw two Corollas. Neither were black. I didn't see any on the second day. And on the third day, I saw one black one and one silver one. God communicated through those cars and those drivers to ensure that I would pray for Jamel's safety that day. You know, the Holy Spirit is communicating to you all day long. John fourteen twenty six says, But the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Standby, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me on my behalf. He will teach you things, and He will cause you to recall, will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. The Holy Spirit has a lot to teach us and desires to keep us on track for God's will in our lives. John sixteen thirteen says, but when he, the spirit of truth, the truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole, the full truth, for he will not speak of his own message or on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the father and he will give the message that will be given from him. And he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come, what will happen in the future. We need to look and listen, attend to the leadings and messages of the Holy Spirit when he's trying to show us something. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit or we will miss out on the blessings and opportunities that he has for us to bless others. Jesus spoke about things that were natural and everyday in the culture of the people at the time. God uses our familiarity with natural things in this world to communicate spiritual truths. The key is to acknowledge that there are no coincidences, and if God is making you notice something, He is doing so for a reason. Take time to pause. Tune to the flow of the Holy Spirit. Thank Him for pointing something out to you, and then ask Him, What are you trying to tell me about this? Now let's talk about the eyes of your heart. Ephesians one 18 to 18-21 says, And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, and so that you will begin to know... What the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human, and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in the sage and world, but also in the one to come. When you see with the eyes of your heart, you are learning how to see through God's eyes. You actually are seeing through His eyes when you're looking in the Spirit. You are connecting with His mind, will, and emotion. You have the ability to see from God's perspective. You just need to ask, seek, and want to. How do you do that? Hebrews 12:2 gives us a clue. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of His work. When you go to the special place and see yourself with Jesus, you are connecting with His very heart and the Spirit, and He can show you anything He knows you need. The secret is to want to, to hunger for Him. A.W. Tozer wrote the now classic The Pursuit of God in 1948. Speaking of the culture of the day, he writes, In the midst of this great chill, there are some... I rejoice to acknowledge who will not be content with shallow logic. They will admit the force of the argument and then turn away with tears to hunt some lonely place and pray, O God, show me thy glory. They want to taste, to touch in their hearts, to see with their inner eyes the wonder that God is. I want deliberately to encourage this mighty longing after God. The lack of it has brought us to this present low estate. The stiff and wooden quality about our religious lives is a result of our lack of holy desire. Complacency is a deadly foe to all spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Too bad that with many of us he waits too long and so very long in vain. Speaking more about this hunger, Tozer writes... This first comes to our notice when our restless hearts feel a yearning for the presence of God and we say within ourselves, I will arise and go to my Father, that is the first step. And as the Chinese sage Lao Tse has said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Jesus taught in Matthew 5.8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pure in heart in the Greek lexicon means those who agree with the truth that are purified by God's sacrifice, and allow themselves to draw near to God. Allow themselves. Jesus accomplished direct access to the Father for you. When you accept this truth, it is easier to see God. To see, you must look. The Word shares that John looked and kept on looking, and received 21 chapters of the book of Revelation. Daniel stated that he kept looking nine times when he was having his heavenly vision of the giant statue that prophesied hundreds of years of ruling kingdoms in Daniel 7. To receive, you must look. Twenty-nine times in the Bible it says, I looked and behold. God was showing Abraham things with his natural eyes like the burning bush and the wonders of the miracles of Exodus and Ge- in Genesis. He showed the prophets like the kings and Samuel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, David, Solomon, Daniel, and John, visions of heavenly realities that were important for guiding the nations and helping us understand biblical principles today. Practically speaking, how do you strengthen your visual sensitivity to God? Let's simplify this for a minute. When you read a novel, do you picture the story coming to life on the screen of your mind as you read? Most do. This is the skill to rely on when you're reading a Bible story, for example. I will cover some specific strategies and examples for you of a variety of ways you can practice visualizing Jesus. Remember, with practice, it gets easier and you get much better at it with time. The strategies I will address are jumping into a Bible story, applying a verse to your life, sharing a Bible story encounter in a group, Asking for a metaphor to explain a biblical principle. Asking for a Jesus-driven adventure. Asking Jesus to take you to a memory for healing purposes. And basically asking Jesus to show you something relevant to your present need. Jumping into a Bible story. If you have read about an experience that someone had in the Bible, you can ask Jesus to give you this experience. A few nice ones that I have had the pleasure of experience were talking with Jesus at the well, walking on water, multiple times actually now, listening to Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount and asking him to clarify key points, and my all-time favorite, seeing the angels and baby Jesus on the night of his birth. The Bible is full of wonderful stories, and Jesus loves to take us on adventures to help you understand them. One friend of mine shared a story that he jumped into the Bible story about the mustard seed and moving mountains, referenced in all four Gospels. The context for that was that Jesus was addressing the disciples' question about why they were not able to cast out a demon after having been able to do so before. Matthew seventeen twenty. he answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you, And I most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it's God's will, it will move and nothing will be impossible for you." My friend saw himself walking on the road with Jesus and his disciples when Jesus picked up the mustard seed on the ground and spoke of its size and the power of small faith. But Jesus continued that conversation And he asked the group, But do you know why this little seed grows into a mighty tree? Someone answered, No, Lord, why? Jesus said, Because it simply evolves into what the Father created to become, and that's how your faith grows. As well, when you allow the Father to access your heart, it grows into a mighty fruit-bearing tree, exactly as he designed it to become. That certainly added another layer of understanding to that verse. The next strategy is to apply verse to your life. I was facing a scary meeting that I had to attend, and the verse at the bottom of my journal where I was asking the Lord for the strength to face this meeting was John 14:27. Peace I leave you, my perfect peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. But Jesus, how do I do that? How can I remain calm in the storm I'm in right now? I continue to rant for a bit to the Lord about my troubles and the reality of the situation I was facing. Surely he knows that it's not fair. But then I quieted myself down and tuned to spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus showed me King David playing his harp gently. He was crying. He had anguish on his face as he played. He was pouring out his trouble to the Lord through his music and through his tears. He didn't say a word. Then I saw him stop crying. He was just playing. His eyes were closed and he was just letting his fingers brush the strings. Suddenly his face and his countenance changed. He had met with God in his heart and he was comforted. He grabbed a tablet and started writing. I felt in that moment, that must have been what it was like when David wrote a psalm. Lord, I said thank you for these images. The music gave me a new way to hear your voice. What do you want me to understand about this experience and imagery? David was a man after my own heart because he was honest with me. He told me the truth about how he was feeling He found his comfort, his answers, and my love when he searched for me. I can't be helpful to you without your whole heart. Come to me with the truth of your heart and without busyness or personal motives. Be still, cease striving, relax, and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 Trust me. Believe that I have your best interest at heart. David did that, and you can too. The message from the Lord in this imagery of David taught me an important three-part prayer. First, pour out your whole heart to the Lord. He knows everything anyway. Pasting on a good Christian smile and not telling him the truth will not get you anywhere. It's okay to admit that you need God. Next, tune to the Holy Spirit and allow him to speak to your heart. Sometimes Jesus speaks through images and song lyrics, as he did in the above example, and sometimes you will just hear him speaking with the still, small voice in your spirit. Other times you may just feel his love. Jesus knows exactly what you need to feel better. He will speak the truth in your heart, consistent with his character, his names, his promises, in exactly your language, exactly the way you need. Finally, agree when God reminds you that he is bigger than your circumstances. Trust him when he tells you that he's got your situation under control. When he says you can trust and believe him, he is the sovereign king of kings. That's exactly what David did. He poured out his heart, paused to listen to God, and agreed and reminded himself and God who he was and what he would do to help. David would say in Psalm 3, 1 through 6, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. But then after a pause, the psalm switches tones. In verse 3, But you, Lord, are my shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head I, I called out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep, and I wake up because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear those tens of thousands that assail me on every side. I tried this three-part prayer before my scary meeting, And I poured out my heart to Jesus, reminding him of the consequences if this thing goes sour. He didn't fall off his throne. Then I tuned to the flow of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord reminded me that he is in control. I agreed with God and spoke out loud some truths of the Bible, like, "'The one in me is greater than the one in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Lord is my banner. He will fight for me and give me victory because I am on his side.'" As I stated these truths timidly at first, and then with more conviction and more increased volume, I felt the anxiety diminishing until it was entirely gone. I walked into that meeting without a semblance of fear, and God showed up. What I thought was spiritual warfare was actually God setting the table for something beautiful. Believe God. That's all he wants from us. God is believable. Trust the Comforter to do his job. He's good at it. The next strategy is sharing a Bible encountering experience in a group setting. For you Bible study activation fans, this is a great one. This is basically taking a Bible story or asking a question together and allowing Jesus to show a group of people something that each can share and enrich their experience and understanding. This is something that we do at the Spirit Life Circles each week. For more information about the Spirit Life Circles, see the link below at the pattyej.podbean.com site. One day in my Spirit Life Circle, the group experienced the day of Pentecost by meditating together on Acts 2. The Lord showed each of us something different, and we shared what we all saw and were prompted by Him to do. Our experiences rounded out a beautiful picture for us together. But God did something cool that day that I wanted to share. Our group was sitting outside on a blanket in my backyard one summer morning. We each took turns reading and meditating on the Acts 2 chapter. When we got to these verses in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When on the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing, violent wind, and it filled the whole house where we were sitting. There appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each one of them, as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, that is, diffused throughout their being with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving the ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. As those verses were being read... A strong breeze moved through the circle, and the birds of all types began singing really loudly. We had been sitting there with our eyes closed, and each one of us opened our eyes in surprise at what was going on. Did you feel that? Did you hear those birds? That was so cool to feel and hear God's presence as we were reading the scripture. He certainly brought those verses to life for us in a memorable way that day. The next strategy is to ask the Lord to give you a picture, a story, a metaphor, or a parable that will help you understand a situation you're facing or a biblical principle. Here's a conversation Jesus and I had when I asked Him to help me understand His anointing. I was meditating on the meeting of John 15, 4-5 as it relates to the anointing, the supernatural power God gives believers to do what he calls them to do. John 15, 4 and 5 says, "...abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him." He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, I asked, please give me an image to help me better understand this anointing. The Lord explained, Things that are plugged into electricity have the ability to perform as created and designed. Those same things unplugged will lay dormant and are impotent to accomplish what they were created to do. An unplugged toaster, for example, is simply a paperweight. Abiding in me leads to increasing levels of anointing. When you learn to trust me by staying plugged into my presence, I will reveal more and more to you, and then I will begin to trust you with increasing levels of my power. Like electricity, the anointing is a material substance that can be stored, increased, and used for powerful impact. That's a great analogy, Lord. I can see that if I'm unplugged from your power source, I would be useless to accomplish anything of value. I would be missing untold blessings. Yes, exactly. Next, the Lord showed me an image of the flux capacitor from the Back to the Future movies. I laughed out loud. I don't know why, but it was so weird to me that the Lord would bring such a random image from a movie to my mind. I looked up the words flux, and capacitor in the dictionary. Flux means continuous flow or movement. Capacitor means electricity, a device for accumulating and holding a charge of electricity. In the movie, the flux capacitor was the source for allowing time travel to happen. It was a Y-shaped pulsing electrical flow with each point flowing back and forth with the energy into the center. This reminded me of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit flowing anointing power into me when I tuned to them by the flow of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, see the energy movement of the flux capacitor? Energy from the Godhead flows to you and empowers you when you are plugged into the power source, my living water. You have the privilege of being connected to the energy of the Trinity, God's perfect will and power stay plugged in yes i see the energy flowing from the three points into the center and then back to the ends again there's a continuous pulsing movement with the outer tips energizing to the center then the lord showed me 2 peter 1 8 that supports this truth for as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity They will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus continued, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of me and my will for you. The source of my power is endless and always available. Learn to stay plugged in to the living water at all times so you don't miss a single blessing. The more energy you get from me, the more you'll be able to reflect me and my love to those I have given you to serve. You were created in my image to reflect my image of love to the world. This is what you can do when you're plugged in. Wow, that's incredible, Lord. What is lost when I'm not plugged in, I asked. When you pull away from me, you pull the plug and disconnect from my power source Just like an object that relies on electricity to function, you are dead, impotent to your effectiveness. Don't let this happen because it leaves you vulnerable to the enemy and keeps you from accomplishing what I desire. You stay plugged in by keeping your eyes fixed on me, keeping me in front of mind, including me in all things and at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 warns, do not quench the spirit. When we turn our backs on God and don't include him, ignore him, or forget to seek his face in any way, we quench the Spirit and essentially pull the plug on the anointing of God, his power source. Additionally, Ephesians 4.30 reminds us, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit for by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. These verses remind me that there's a direct connection between the behaviors and attitudes that quench the spirit, and that grieve the spirit. These are the consequences of being unplugged. The Lord said, Seek me and remain connected to me at all times. Quenching me is like putting out a fire. Disconnecting from me grieves me. Your fruit will reveal whether you're connected or disconnected from me. Sometimes Jesus will take you on an adventure without you even asking for one. If Jesus wants you to understand something, he can take you anywhere to experience anything just to make sure that you get the exact thing you need to understand whatever it is you're going through at the time. Here is one spontaneous adventure that I had with the Lord. It wasn't the first time the Lord took me on a magic carpet ride. Each time is wonderful. I always learned something amazing on each trip. This time, we flew around the whole world. Jesus wanted to show me His heart for all the people groups who still needed to know him. I saw faces of every race, age, and status and felt his compassionate yearning for them. When the ride was nearly over, he flipped the carpet so we were flying upside down, lower to the ground. This was cooler than any amusement ride I had ever been on. Surprisingly, I wasn't scared. There was no sensation of falling as I stuck to the carpet with the wind blowing my hair and a crazy upside down perspective of the world. When Jesus talked to me about this object lesson of the experience, he said, I am your gravity. You are naturally and gently pulled to me. There is no fear when you are with me. People don't doubt gravity. They trust and believe it without thought. They know that gravity is real. The truth is that gravity doesn't require you to believe in in it to be true. It is true. You are not a factor in the truth of gravity. The same is true of me I am whether people believe in me or not. You did not speak creation into existence. That was my job. It's weird that people trust gravity and struggle with trusting me, the creator of gravity. It grieves me that so many don't know how alive and present I really am. I created people to connect with me like you've been teaching them to do in your books and in this podcast. And some people will argue, Patty is different or special because she can hear God so personally and I can't do that. That's a limiting lie. You are special to me, but you are simply showing people how to live out the biblical truths that are available for every believer. I created everyone to be able to connect with me personally, and the word clearly shows the way. I'm here for everyone in all ways. My heart longs for you. I came to give you abundant life. Connecting with me individually is one of the secrets to growing your faith and trust to navigate this world. I want people to stop looking for me in dusty attic boxes marked religious stuff, when the truth is I'm right here. I'm sitting in plain sight, waiting to love each one and their special places. Our next strategy is to ask Jesus to take you to a memory so he can heal you. Anyone who knows me well at all knows that I'm a sucker for time travel movies. This particular intervention, along with jumping into a Bible story, Is essentially like having a time travel experience since God is omnipresent he's there for you every moment of your life in all the good moments and the bad ones I've already shared a story of this method in the how God heals podcast of the time that God healed me by taking me back to my heartbreak that I received at the time of my salvation God can show up in a memory in two ways Sometimes just seeing him there is enough to help facilitate forgiveness and healing. In one such example, a student of mine shared that she went back to a scene right before she had an abortion. Jesus was holding her hand and crying with her, with love and compassion on his face. That new experience of a past memory was able to facilitate her forgiving herself for that decision and realizing that God loved her no matter what she did in the past or what she would do in the future. In other times, God can change the story a bit to show you a truth to help you heal. In my own case, the Lord took me back to a scene in second grade where I was called up to the board to do a math problem. I got it wrong and was teased in front of the entire class by a mean boy. This had birthed a lie in my spirit that I was terrible at math. I was taking a fulfilled financial destiny class for my doctorate, and it was an assignment of mine to take care of that issue. So the Lord took me back to that scene, and in this case, he was sitting in the second grade seat one row over, which was too small for him, and it actually made me laugh to see him sitting in it. When I was called up to the board to do the problem, Jesus took me by the hand, and we walked up to the board together, and with my hand in his, we put the correct answer on the board. In this version of the story, the teacher praised me for getting the problem right, and Jesus kneeled down, looked me straight in the eye, and told me, When you do anything with me, you are brilliant. There is never a reason for you to define yourself as bad at math or bad at anything, because together... We can solve any problem. That reframing of the story helped me overcome the lie that I did not understand math. The last thing we'll talk about is just a series of tips for you to strengthen your physical eyes to help you tune into the things that God might want to show you in the natural world. One way to do this is to tune into Jesus and ask him to show you who needs your help or what He wants you to see and do today. It is a conscious decision to surrender your eyes to the Lord so He can show you things that will be important throughout the day. One application of this that I have used is to ask the Lord to show me a verse that will be my guiding verse for the day. I would posture my heart and pray and then simply open my Bible and wherever my eyes fell, that verse or portion of Scripture was what He wanted me to meditate on all day. I did this every day for a year and it was amazing to me how the verse would wind up being relevant for the entire day and give me the focus for an appropriate heart posture to respond to all of my circumstances. Another application of this idea would be the pray to the Lord to show me who needs my prayer today and to show me how to pray for them. A friend of mine does this every time she leaves the house and shared once that she saw someone limping down an aisle one day in Walmart, and the Lord asked her to pray for that person for their healing, and in the next aisle, when they crossed paths again, the person was not limping. Asking the Lord to open the eyes of your heart for those for whom God's heart is breaking is a hard practice that will help you begin to see people that may have been somewhat invisible otherwise. Okay, are you ready to practice your visual capacity and experience Jesus? If this is your first listen to the Experience Jesus podcast, you may want to go back to the trailer episode where you learn the biblical foundation and the steps to dialogue journaling, the process we use to experience Jesus. As always, I encourage you to make sure that you have properly postured your heart before any Jesus experience, which involves quieting yourself down, fixing your eyes on Jesus, praising and playing with him, as a child, and making sure that you have a quiet place where you're not disturbed. Remember, too, that you want to capture your entire experience in a journal. Everything you see, hear, and feel and think as you're having your experience, you want to record in your journal. Today, we have several things that you can do to both practice using your physical eyes and the eyes of your heart. Here are some practical exercises that will stretch your visual capacity to connect with God with your natural eyes. Below in the pattyej.podbean website, there's a link to a Names of God word diagram. Open it, and the first name of God that your eyes fall on is the name that the Lord wants to talk to you about. You can go to your special place as a child and simply ask Him to show you or tell you more about who He is as that name and how That impacts you as His child. Another thing you can do is, after some time in praise and worship, pray that the Lord will direct you to the verse or passage of Scripture that's relevant for today. Then simply open your Bible, and wherever your eyes fall, read the verse. Mark it in your Bible. And then ask the Lord to speak to you about this verse and its relevance for you today. To challenge you today to experience Jesus with the eyes of your heart, we will ask Jesus to surprise you with a special adventure. Think of this as a supernatural vacation day with Jesus. You will be surprised at how much you and Jesus can do in just a few moments because you will be in spiritual time, not natural time. If there's anything that you have always wanted to do in this life, like a place to go or things to do that you would never have had courage to do in the natural, this is your opportunity to do it with Jesus. And remember, you are not limited to natural things in this world. So if you want to see outer space... Here's your opportunity. Meet Jesus in your special place as a child, ready to experience a full day with Him. Having fun is one of the primary objectives of this encounter because the joy of the Lord will fill up your spiritual tank. No doubt Jesus will also teach you some lesson in it as well, but for now, simply expect to have an incredible, memorable, and fun day with Jesus. This will build your faith and trust in him and make sure you capture your entire experience in your journal. Well, I hope you and Jesus had an incredible time and you learned something about him and yourself in the process. Please share any cool experiences in the comments below and share this podcast with others if you're blessed by it. Check out all the supporting links below, including my bookstore shop page for more books, book resources, and downloadables.